Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Emily Newton, and joining us on the show is Justin from Fitness Extraordinaire. What's going on, Justin? How are we doing today? Hi, Emily. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for asking. Um, so, you know, we're really excited to have you on the show. But before we kind of get into things, tell us a little bit about how you run Fitness Extraordinaire and what made you want to start your gym in the first place. Well, I won't start too far back because it's a long, long story. So uh, I'll give you the brief, succinct version. Um, I uh, came into competitive bodybuilding um, at the natural level at 2009. And um, I started competing from our prepping rather for my first show in 2009. And um, at that moment, you know, obviously my body transforms, I change, my workouts get more uh, uh, grueling. And uh, people noticed that in the gym, in the local gym that I frequent. And uh, then at that moment is when people would come up to me and ask me, hey, man, what exercise are you doing? Or what's that for? Or, or what is that target? Or can you watch me do this exercise? Can you watch my form on this? And the reason why that was so, well, one, it was very honoring to me that they would come up to me and they would ask me, it was humbling. And I found that I had a, a knack for teaching people. I had a knack for, for I guess, dispensing with uh, the, the language to, to illustrate a f the correct form on a deadlift or a press or a squat. Or, and I had a fun time doing it. So that kind of led me into thinking, well, maybe I could get paid to do this. And then that obviously led to the venture of, of becoming certified in uh, personal training. And then I started uh, basically going out on my own. And I mean, I started a couple of gyms. I, I trained at a couple commercial gyms, but then that didn't really work out for me long-term. I, I don't know what I was. I just wasn't comfortable being on the gym floor and, and approaching people or cold approaching people to want to train with me. So I ended up buying equipment and taking it out in my truck at the time. And I spent about a couple thousand bucks, put it all in the back of my truck and marketed myself as an in-home mobile trainer. And then I did that for, and I trained at people's house. I trained people in their houses with my gym equipment. I trained people at parks with my gym equipment. And I, you know, I would unload and then pack up and then leave. And it was, you know, and uh, I found that to be the best way for me to service fitness to people. And also I had no overhead except for the, the money that I put out for the product, which that paid for itself in the first month. So um, it was just smooth sailing from there, you know, and I did that for a couple, well, probably two and a half years. And then I got so much traffic that I was able to kind of cement in a name in my community. And I say that gratefully and humbly, um, but I was able to do that. And that kind of led to the venture of starting a brick and mortar. That is a pretty cool story. So you started like kind of traveling around your city, going to people's houses with your equipment. And then you eventually were able to open up a brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. um, so based off of your experience and how you have, you know, grown your gym, if you could pick two skill sets and two skill sets only to grow your business, what would those two be and why? People and people. You have to be good at people. If you're a personal trainer, you can't be just grounded in the books and grounded in movement mechanics etc 
that's good. You need to be able to identify discrepancies in the movement mechanics. You need to be able to identify people uh, where they need help, and you, may, you need to be able to suggest and be able to give cues to, to, or cues rather to to lead people in the right direction in terms of facilitating the movements. But if you're not good with people, you're not going to retain. So if obviously personal trainer, your personal first, your trainer second, and that's what I always tell all my trainers. So the way I believe is. If you're not personable, likable, charismatic, you don't have some type of zeal to you, you can't attract people, you don't have, you don't necessarily have to have an it factor, but if you're not good with people in general, then you're not going to retain the person because that person won't want to spend their time with you, even though you think as a trainer, well, all I need to do is tell them what to do in terms of working out and nutrition. It's like, yes, but you're dealing with a human being and they don't want to always, they're not going to want to spend their time with somebody who just tells them A, B, C, and D. They want to converse with somebody who, who they like, and they want to come back. They're coming back to see you. They're spending their time and their dollar to come and see you. So naturally, you have to be good at retaining that person to make them want to come back, or else you'll never see measurable results with them. So then what's the point of being a trainer at the end of the day? If you can't see that person for more than three sessions because they don't like you, because you're not a likable person, because you're not personable, you're not, you don't gel to them, well, then you're not going to get them any results. Training is always second. You need to be a personable, you need to be personable first. And so let me ask you this before you, I don't want you to go into another subject. Um, so for a personal trainer or a business owner who needs to work on their people person skill set, where do you like how do you become a people person? You know, that I don't necessarily know if I have an answer for that. I would say that it's, either, I think that that's something that's either in you or it's not. And if, if perhaps it's not in you to be a people person, maybe training is not going to be your, your thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's just some the hard reality that you have to accept. You know, there are people that are front runners and there are people that are back, you know, back office workers. And there are a reason for that. You know, you put, you put the face of the, of the business in the front and you put all the books and the people that, take care of the analytics and stuff in the back because they're not, they're not really people. They're not people, people. And that's the reason why they're in the back in the first place. And they are actually happy with that. They don't want to be in the front. They don't want to be the face. So I think that's, I'm not, it's not to confuse the fact that you have to be a face type of person to be a trainer, but you got to have likable qualities. You got to like people. You got to be able to chameleonize to people. You got to be able to set aside your emotions for the day, whatever's going on in your personal life, and just shut that shit off and be one-on-one -on -one with them and make them better. And if you can't do that, which a lot of people can't, training is likely, you're not going to be monetarily um, successful in your training ventures, if that's the case. And that's, and that's the harsh reality. You may need to find another job or another vocation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that explanation. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how you guys get people in the door and what you're doing for marketing. We are very simple in our marketing. Um, I've tried a bunch of different things. I mean, I have a marketing and advertising consultant. We've tried a bunch of things in our, in our small demographic here that we live. And to be honest with you, the, the thing that works the best for us is Yelp and Google ads or not ads. I'm sorry. Yelp and Google. Um, um, why am I reviews? I'm sorry. Okay. So the reviews are being our biggest help and mainly on Yelp. 
And I, and just in our small community, that's what served us the best. So we'll get business inquiries from Yelp and we'll get business inquiries from the website that they're led from the Google search to the website, obviously. And also SEO keywords help us as well on the Google search engines. Mm-hmm. And they put us at the, they typically will put us at the top, um, also based on our, on our, on our review board and how many five stars we have, but that's been the biggest traffic um, attractor in terms of our business in my small community that I live has been the Yelp from the Google reviews. Interesting. So the Yelp and both of those are, how does Yelp work? Well, and I will say before I get into Yelp, I will say also word of mouth. You can't, if you're, if you're a, if you're, if you have a small community, like I, like I, where we live, we have a small community. People are talked about that are good at what they do. So if you're good at what you do, word is going to absolutely propagate through the community. So that's a big, obviously, that's another uh, another big um, benefit to, that's a benefit to living in a small community. And, it's a, and that's been a benefit to us being, if you're good at what you do, you get talked about, and then it's referral based at that time. And then also there are not many people that do what we do in this community. So um, the way Yelp works, uh, Yelp, people leave reviews on Yelp and then they will typically go in and they will check the reviews uh, or they'll, they'll type in the business name, Fitness Extraordinaire, and they'll see how many reviews you have and they'll see the comments and the people, what, what people have said about your business, the rating, et cetera. And then um, they, you have a call to action button and they typically will click that button and that leads to the phone call, that leads to the consultation, that leads to the closing. Okay. What about social media? Are you guys like actively on that as well? So we're on social media, but again, I've never had any kind of real profitable return on investment with social media, even though there's no money involved with social media. I mean, you have to put the time in terms of the content and the curation of the content. And I just have not seen a good return on investment with that. And so again, it's just kind of a, I wouldn't say it's futile, but it, at the same time, it's, I don't like putting my effort into things that are not showing me return, especially when I can do other things that maybe have a better audience or maybe, maybe a, a better, a better, what would I say? A better reaction. I, I, I want to do things that get a, that, that are allowing me to grow the business and not idle, staying idle. And I think that for me, at least the Instagram and social media in general have not been viable avenues. But then again, maybe I'm not doing the right thing in terms of social media. I'm willing to accept that. Maybe I could be on a different platform that would be a better audience that would attract the audience that I need for personal training, et cetera. You know, that could be a, that could be a a thing as well. So when you speak of like your audience, um, do you have a particular niche? So I would say that the, that the type of people that come to me that actually have the disposable income to afford training is probably going to be females and males between 30 and 50 years old. And that's, 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 that's been my experience at least. And, you know, the, the bodybuilders of of our day and like the, the, the girls that they go in and do the hip thrusts and the squat and do their own thing in the gym, like they don't need a trainer. Like at least not me, not my caliber of trainer. They're 
there's so many, there's so much content on YouTube. There's so much content on Instagram that you don't really, those, those women are, and men are so motivated. They don't need instructions or accountability. You know, they, they're raring to go in the morning. Whereas a lot of people that outsource me, they need the accountability and they need the, they need the, they need the, I don't want to call it motivation. They need, they really need the, the reason to show up. And so when they have a trainer, they have a reason to show up, especially if they're paying for it. And those have been the people that are in the 30 to 50 range that have the disposable income. And also they're trying to lose weight. They're trying to, they're trying to just feel better, look better, get stronger, you know, and gain confidence. And so that's typically my market. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So with that being said, we were talking a little bit pre-interview about how you have delegated some tasks to other people on your staff. So I guess my qu first question for you is going to be like, how do you know when it's time to delegate a task to somebody else? Well, I think that you know already, you know what you're strong in, you know what you're weak in, and it, it's a matter of ego and setting aside ego. So I think that everybody knows their strengths and their weaknesses. It's a matter of, do I want to, do I want to, do I want to really own up to this and know that I'm not good in this area and know that I know someone else could be, that could do it better and, and be willing to release that part of the ego. So it, it comes down to ego. Like, you know, what you, you know, what you, you're good at. You just stick with what you're good at, man. Like stop yeah. trying to stop trying to put, wear all the, wear all the hats and, and be everybody, you know, you're, you're a jack of all trades, but a master of none. I want to be a master of something. I don't care to be a jack of all trades. Okay. So I mean, what about for the, like the business owners that might not necessarily be able to afford to like hire somebody for sales or for marketing? Do you know someone in your family that could take care of that? Because that's also a viable option. If you have someone in your family that would be good at doing something like that or if you have a friend that you trust and if at bare bones if you don't have any of that well then you have to you have to do that you don't have the luxury to to uh, to shell out that that job description to somebody else it's like if you build a youtube you may have to build all the thumbnails and do all the editing to the videos yourself until you accrue enough money through sponsors or ads to where you can outsource that you know, but that's what you do in the beginning to get things up and running. You have to do those tasks if need be. But yeah. when you get to the point where you're, you're viable enough as a business and you have enough disposable income, well, then you can outsource those things. That's the luxury. That's the, that's a part of the, the luxury of, of being in business for so long and being a, a profitable business. You can yeah. then do that. Absolutely. So what in particular did you decide to outsource? When? What in particular, like what departments? All my admin, all my marketing, um, all of the, all the payroll, you know, all the accounting, all of that. Okay. So since doing that, how has your role in your business changed? I just am, I'm able to be more exact with my clients. I'm able to put more time and more effort into them. I'm able to focus on them, which is primarily what made me good in the first place. So that allows me to, that allows more mental faculties to be distributed to my clients and not to other things that don't really serve me. 
So in, in part, it makes me better overall because I'm able, and it makes my clients session better. It makes our interaction better. Everything is better because of that. Because when you parse things out to people, when you parse things out in general in your, in your process, then you're able to obviously hone in the most focus on each individual area. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and then what about like the aspect of your business? Like, do you have more time, even mental time, just to think about like what direction you want to take things and, you know, how you can keep your, your business growing and thriving? I'm sorry. Can you say that one more time? Yeah. I'll reframe the question because I think it was a little bit confusing. So basically with the time that you have, that you got back from outsourcing, how do you spend it? What are you, what are you doing? What things are you doing to grow the business is the question. Nothing. I don't do things to, (laughs) I do things to grow me, which in turn will end up inadvertently growing the business. So what that means is I have more time for myself. I have more time to do things that serve me. And ultimately if I'm the head of the business, if I'm the headquarters essentially, then that allows me to be more optimized with not only my clientele, but my trainers managing them. And that ultimately leads for a better expression that I leave on my clients, my trainers, et cetera, which is better word of mouth, which is a better environment. It's more positive. It's more, it's more generative in terms of the, the, I would say the positive nature of everything. So then it runs more operatively and that's a benefit. It doesn't always have to be about your business and this is what I have to do. This side, it's my next move. My next move. Sometimes you're not going to know your next move and that's okay. Sometimes you have to let things flow. You can't always be strategic about things, even if you're a strategic mindset. And that's me. I'm not this lackadaisical, aloof type of person. I'm very, very focused and I'm very determined in terms of where I want to go. But I also understand reality. And reality is sometimes you don't have the helm in your hands. You have to kind of let it steer itself for a little bit. And you have to maybe collect your thoughts and what you want, where you want to go, what you want to do. And then that's okay. Take some time out. It's okay. You don't have to always be go, 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 even though I'd like to be, but that's just not, that's just not life. So I would say that it's, it's a big part of the equation is your ability to self-improve. And it's not just solely focused on what can I do for the business? Cause you got to remember you are the fucking business. I am the fucking business. So if that's the case, I have to work on myself first before I can give my 100% to anybody else inside or any of the things inside the business. So that, but that inadvertently grows the business too. And I think people leave that on the table is that they only, they always have to do, 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 and always have the next move in place. Okay. Makes sense. So basically you're saying like, basically like make sure you're pouring into yourself, personal development, all that stuff to help the business grow as well. Is that kind of what you're saying? Sure. And I also would add to that. I think that when you're starting out, you can't do that. You know, when you're starting out a business, you have to be a little bit more strategic and a little bit more on, you have to be a little bit more head or nose to the grindstone in terms of like do, do, do. But when you end up gathering enough steam and enough clientele in terms of this business, enough clientele, enough a reputation, then you can step back. You can outsource certain jobs to certain people, like we talked about earlier. And also you can think about working on yourself a little bit more because you have this downtime. But in the beginning, that's not what I did. In the beginning, I grinded in terms of 
doing mobile house calls and doing park training and going here and there. And, and I didn't have time to think, but also that's a good thing too, because you just do, do, do. So there's a, I guess there's, what I'm trying to explain is that there's seasons to this thing too, as well. And there's, there's a season of doing, doing, and then there's a season of, well, maybe, maybe I should just step back and I should work on myself because that also can grow the business. They both can grow the business, but there's seasons to it. And I think I need to be a little bit more dis distinct about that because I guess overall, that's what I'm trying to express or convey is that there's seasons to this and you have to know what season you're in, but yeah. they both add to growth. They both add to development. They both add to, to a positive outcome. Yeah, that was very well said. Thank you for uh, re-explaining that, I guess. Um, sure. So like what season would you say Fitness Extraordinary is in now? Hmm. I'd say a little of both, to be honest with you. I would say that I, I would say that we're in a building phase, but we're also in a well, I can only speak for myself. I can't I can't really speak for my other trainers. I would say I'm I, I'm kind of in that building phase, but I'm also not so so focused on that business only because I have a couple other businesses that I'm working on, but because I've been able to grow this business, it's been able to give me the freedom to grow or start rather other businesses. So there are other ventures that I'm focused on as well, but because I can't do, I can't do everything optimally well, I have to, I have to know that I'm, I'm spreading out my energy across different platforms, knowing that one is going to, you know, other businesses are not going to get the same attention as they once did. And that's, and by default, that's the fitness extraordinaire comes as a, as a, as a result of that, but it's still, I'm still giving it attention, just not as I was once in the past, because we've built it enough to where it's pretty sustainable that, and then two, I'm working on other things as well that have my attention and have my, have passion as well within them. So I would say I'm, I'm at a, I'm kind of at a. I wouldn't say an idle, but a, a slightly above idle phase in my business. And um, the trainers, well, like I said, they're not here to, I can't speak for them, but um, you know, the, that is the business though. It's me and the trainers. So we would have to, to get a full answer. We'd have to have the trainers here as well to, to kind of answer that as well. But that's where I stand with it at least. Gotcha. All righty. Well, Justin, it's almost a really good place for us to wrap things up on this episode. But before we sign out, if you could just give your uh, give our listeners a piece of advice that you learned over the years that you wish you would have had um, prior to starting your gym. So I don't think there's a there's something that I learned with with a business. It came from working out, and it came from being competitor, and it came from it came from the bodybuilding realm, to be honest with you. And that is to stay disciplined and have work ethic and have work ethic above the rest and have discipline over people that just want to live comfortably. If you live with wanting to just live comfortably, that's fine. But you have to understand that you're putting a lot of discipline on the table because there are things that you would like to do that you don't, that you're not tapping into the requisite discipline that it takes to be better at them. And if you want to get better, if you want to grow, if you want to have a business in general, you have to be disciplined and do things that you don't want to do. And you have to do them like you like doing them. And so that's the thing that I've 
been able to extract from this entire bodybuilding journey that has led into, I would say, a, prog a, a progressive nature in regards to anything I do in life, whether it's business, relationships, anything. It's been staying disciplined, having strong work ethic, doing shit you don't want to do when you don't want to do it and doing it like you like it. Because over time, that's going to add up and that's going to accrue to something that is really not seen in the beginning when you're starting your venture, when you're starting that pursuit. But you have to stay disciplined. You have to stay, you have to have work ethic. Yep. All righty, man. Well, we appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast and really looking forward to seeing what you guys are going to be able to accomplish down the road. Also, to everybody who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Hannah, and joining us on the show is Juan Carlos Asse, owner of Zen Fitness in Gainesville, Florida. Welcome to the show. How are you today? Thank you. I'm doing well. Awesome. Awesome. We're excited to have you on. Before we dive into the business side of things, first, tell us about what made you want to open a studio. Well, um, you know, I had been working out for a long time. I started early with my mom. I played college tennis. So I was really uh, even more interested in working out than I was in uh, in college sports. I loved it so much. And since I had been doing it a long time, I was pretty I was pretty good at it. So people would come up and ask me for help all the time. And I a friend of mine opened the first personal training, training studio in Gainesville called uh, Alter Ego. And he, I went there and I saw it and I was like, wow, people are, are paying money to, to work out like this. And he was like, yeah. And at the time, I think they were, they were charging like 65. That was like in 2006. And so he offered me a job and I, I took off there. Um, I worked for him for three and a half years and he ended up selling it. And at that point, I knew I wanted to go on my own. I already had thought about it because I had such a big clientele base and I'd had such good results. People constantly said, you should open your own, your own place. But I felt really loyal to him since he had given me that opportunity. Um, but once he sold it, then I was like, all right, now I'm starting my own place. Awesome. That's amazing. And what year was that that you decided to go all in and start your own place? Uh, 2008. Awesome. 2008, Yeah. And it was good because having the prior experience, I would tell anyone that wants to open a gym, go work somewhere else first, because I was able to, first of all, learn like the managerial side, which I wasn't really particularly interested in, but it was really good that I did learn that because that's an important part of the business. A lot of times people are more focused on just training and there is a business side to it also. So luckily I was able to 
learn the managerial side, also able to see what you could do better, what the, they could do better. And then I was able to implement that in my studio right away and bring in a large clientele with me to start off. So you're not just opening the doors and waiting for the phone to ring, you know? Yeah. And I think that's an advantage of working at like a smaller studio too, as opposed to maybe starting at like a big box gym, you get to see how, you know, an owner runs it day to day and see how they are. You're more involved with the day to day. Yeah, totally. I think that's good advice. Um, so tell us about Zen Fitness. You know, how do you describe it to someone who's never been in before? Kind of like your your elevator pitch for the studio. Um, Zen Fitness is a, a high end personal training studio, so it's it's beautiful inside. Um, I took a lot of care in making something that's ultimately a nice place to be. The people just feel good when they walk in. Um, most of our clients are people that just want to lose weight and, and be in shape, you know, maybe 20, 30 pounds overweight, want to get stronger. Um, we do have a variety. We have some high school kids, some college kids, but it's a full service. Like, so you're going to come in and based on how many days a week they want to work out, we're going to get them the results that they want in the fastest way possible. Um, fastest and safest way possible. Um, then we also, so they're going to do training for roughly, you know, 40 minutes, um, mixed in with some cardio by that, I mean, weight training. And then we do, um, stretch and massage guns at the end, just to make everyone feel good when they're walking out. That's awesome. Yeah. Full service from start to finish to recovery. I think that's, that's really cool. Definitely. Yes. We, all, we, we also help with nutrition. So something that I started doing a long time ago was going to the store with our clients. And I think, that really sets you apart, showing that you're, you're, you care. And also, you know, it's hard to get results if you're not eating correctly. So that's an important thing to address with your clients right away so you can make those changes. And when they get results, you get results. You know, everyone is your walking billboard. So if you have a bunch of people walking around looking good with results, people will come in just because of that. That's the best advertising you can do in my experience. Yeah, totally. I think that's a good point. Um, and then you mentioned to me off air, you just built your own studio. Um, you did your own build out. I think that's a goal of a lot of gym owners um, I speak to. So tell me like, what were the important things that you really wanted um, when you got the chance to make it your own? What did you really want to to be in that studio? Um, I wanted to make it more. So I did, I did the build out the first time, but it wasn't my space. Right. So I was able to make it um, relatively nice, but having, I wanted to have higher ceilings. Um, I wanted to have like some nice accent walls. We have some nice wood accent walls. Um, I wanted to do one area with wood floor and then another area with the rubber floor, have a nice little entrance there and then have space. Like uh, so many gyms I walk into are so cluttered. Um, To me as a, not only as an owner, but also as a trainer myself, having space is one of the most important things you can do in a studio, like, because there's so much stuff you can do without having like all this cluttered equipment. So for me, having a lot of open space was important. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. You get to do it your own way and get yes. what was important to you. Um, and then, so going back to like your member base, um, how many members are you working with now as part of the gym? Um, to be honest with you, I don't know the member number because we only um, record like sessions because say you could have, you know, a hundred members and they're all only doing one session. Like if you had 50 members that were doing three sessions a week, that would be 
more uh, in line, give you a better picture of the profit margin. So um, we usually do like close to 500 sessions a month. Um, and my goal is to get us up into like, you know, the 600 range by the end of this year. Gotcha. Okay. And then, so you mentioned, you know, word of mouth is kind of like your best advertising strategy. What else are you doing, you know, to get up to that 600 mark? Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you uh, something I did that was fairly unique was, um, and this has been a huge uh, moneymaker for a number of re- reasons, but I, I did a, a film. I ended up doing um, a film called Unsupersize Me that was on Amazon. I took a girl that weighed 345 pounds and I helped her lose 200 pounds in a year um, just with exercise and diet. And I recorded the whole the whole process. Then I learned how to edit a movie, how to get it to a distributor. And that uh, just took off. It got millions and millions of views. And I get email almost every day from people interested, like they either want to do online training. I have people like I had a lady today that came from South Carolina um, to train in the gym. So it, it, it brings you uh, an audience outside of where just your little city is. Um, so then I did another one where I took five like more normal people that weren't so obese and they ended up getting off a lot of medications. Obviously, we know what happens. You see that when people get in shape, you know, they don't have to take medications. They lost 87 pounds in six weeks. And then I did a third one in Cuba. I wanted to go to like a place with no resources and no gym. And I did it with a guy there. He ended up losing uh, 72 pounds in eight months. So that was something like outside of the norm. Even if you say you're not going to make a major motion picture, any kind of like before and after pictures are are probably the most powerful advertising you have to put out there. But um, if you have video, that speaks volumes. Like people see that and they're like, that works. I want to go there. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah, it it was fun. You know, it's really like a, I, it got, it gives me into my creative side. So now I'm always like looking like for films, like I have two going on right now, potentially that may happen. Um, but just keep all that footage, you know, document it because you never know nowadays. It's so easy to, to make something media wise, you know, yourself, you can do it. I, I use final cut, but I started using iMovie first. And once you learn that um, you, it just gives you a large platform to reach people with a very large yeah. platform. Did you have any experience in like film or media before you decided? To make- <laughs> no, I didn't. You know, my, my parents were both in the, um, into film and also into theater and they, uh, they actually both won Emmys. So they were, they were great. That didn't help me because I didn't really, I wasn't involved in that. I was more into, you know, sports and, uh, you know, playing with my friends and school. I wasn't really into the arts thing. So I had to learn all that on my own. It took me, it actually took me a a year to edit that movie after it was done. Cause I knew I was like, okay, I know how to do the fitness and the exercise, the fitness and the nutrition, but uh, I'll worry about the editing part at the end. So then I had 19 hours of footage and I had to figure out how to condense that into an hour you know, and what was the most important stuff. And I actually went to a, a local school here, the film school, and they, they helped me quite a bit. I, I learned a lot from them because you have to learn how to do the sound, the angles. If you ever get a chance to see them, you'll see like the first one, I did not know what I was doing. 
I just had this girl that lost 200 pounds and, and, and that was the most important thing. The next two movies, I learned much more about um, camera angles and uh, storytelling, uh, lighting, sound. Um, so the first one is a much uh, rougher version, but just the results were so good. That still is the most popular one, the first one. I'm definitely going to watch that. As someone who grew up um, watching Super Size Me in health class, yes. <laughs> I'm intrigued. I'm going to watch it for sure. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's, 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 it, you know, it's like the love. Everyone loves to see that. The Biggest Loser, that was why it was so popular. It's, it's great to see the struggle of those people and then when they succeed in the end. Um, it's really just, it's, it's, a, it's a good positive experience for anyone to do, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think seeing it happen, play out in real time is so motivating. And so I'm sure that was a huge hit. But have you thought about making like short form videos or content for like social media or YouTube? Or oh, yeah, um, definitely. Um, I've done that with all the films. Um, I'll do, well, you have to do a trailer for the film, but mm -hmm. little like shorter ones um, are very effective for social media, for sure. Um, and I, and I do use social media, but honestly, like nothing has been the volume of, of doing that film. That was, that was something bigger than I ever imagined possible. Yeah, that's so cool. That's amazing. I mean, uh, I wasn't planning on the residual effect. Right. Of not only do you have the income from the film, but then you have, then I did a cookbook, um, a starter guide, and anyone who watched it, they buy those things too. Um, then they would, people would contact you and want to train. So you have like, I mean, I've trained people in Saudi Arabia, um, like far places where the time is completely different. Um, also it, it really, um, it raises your, uh, the respect level that they have for you. I mean, it raises your demand, therefore raises up your prices as well. So um, that's another benefit of having proven success because you have so many people that want to train at your place that you can raise your prices up. So then you, you raise your profit margins as well. And I find that they're really happy to pay it because you're giving them the results that they want. So they're happy to do it. Yeah, I'm curious, how did you like capitalize on the exposure you got from the films? So if someone watched it and was like, wow, I want this guy to train me, how did they find you? How did they That's know? That's a very good question because that is what I dealt with right away was people watched this movie and they were trying so hard to get in touch with me. So the only way they could really do it at that time was through the Zen Fitness website, which mm -hmm. the film is on Super Size Me and they knew I was at Zen Fitness, but it wasn't really like a direct link and I realized like, wow, this is, I need to do something to be able to capitalize on this. So when people want to get in contact with you. So I built uh, the unsupersize me website and that has everything like that you can buy the cookbook or, or the movies or whatever you want to buy there. Also, if you want to access the online training. Um, so just a website there and then social media also. That's smart. You, you yeah. have to you have to make yourself available to be contacted. You know that's an important important thing to do when you're in the in the fitness industry. Yeah. So would you say you have like a good grasp on social media now? Would you say like you're that's one of your strong foods? Um. No, I would not say that. I would not say that honestly because I'm so focused in the um the actual day to day of the business and running it in the films that social media is something I could do better in 
I do know how to do it. It's just, it is time consuming. It is yeah. like, you know, you have to post every, every day or every couple of days. And, um, I have, I have, uh, sometimes I'll put like different trainers in charge of it and I'll give them extra hours to do it, but I do believe in it. And I think it's a good thing to do. Um, I just don't have the time to do it right. myself. There's only so many hours in the day. <laughs> yes. I try to inspire my trainers to do it. Um, trainers tend to be uh, more in the mindset of exercise and nutrition, not as much in the business part. So it's hard to get them to do that, but some of them do. And the ones that do get more referrals. Yeah, for sure. I think that's, that's really true. It's like anything else. You kind of have to put the reps into it and yes. it work. But when you are a trainer and you're focused on that, it's hard. When you're a business owner and you're focused on a million other things, that can easily slip through the cracks. And I see that a lot. So Absolutely. And you're 100% what you just said, Hannah. I believe in it's all about your reps. You can really learn and do anything you want to. You just have to put the time in get your reps in yeah that's okay. one of my favorite sayings yeah for sure reps is in life and in fitness i like using that too yes um but how do you organize your time so you are a filmmaker a business owner you built your gym how do you stay on track keep yourself organized it's, you know, it's a little i ha actually have a manager that um man manages my time because at, at a certain point uh it's just too much to deal with so that way I can show up and be my best. Um, but I don't have to worry about doing all the scheduling because I have, I try not to do over four to five hours a day of training. Like some days, like today I ended up doing seven, but I try to do get as many uh, of the clients out to my, to my trainers to keep them busy. So my manager, Pamela, she's the, uh, she's in charge of my schedule. Like she has a speaking engagement for me next week for a company in Jacksonville. I, I go over there and then I'm, then I, you know, she'll have the online clients scheduled, anything back at home. If I have to talk to the trainers. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like a, uh, an organized chaos. <laughs> That's good that you have that support. You have trainers, you can lean on, you have a manager, um, that's super important. I think yes, I couldn't do it without them. I could not do it without them. <laughs> yes. That's, that's really important. So we kind of talked about short-term your goals this year to increase, you know, by 20%, um, your number of sessions, what's the long-term goal, you know, what's five years from now, like, what do you hope to have built? So, um, the, the long-term goal, uh, honestly, it has, it has been reached because I don't want to, at one point I had the opportunity, I met with these guys in New York that were talking about doing a franchise and I just honestly didn't feel good about watering the product down like that um, because they wanted me to do it like a way that you, you're not going to be involved. And I just didn't really know how to do that. Um, and just the idea of having all these locations to, wa to watch over, I felt like I would sort of lose the essence of, of why I liked it. Um, so I, I have the, the beautiful location that I've wanted to have. Um, it's doing well. All my trainers are doing well. I think probably what I'm going to do is I might, I'm probably going to retire in the next year or so. And I'm going to, um, give it to my long-term trainers that have been there like, you know, 12 to 15 years. I have three or four of them and I'm going to pass it on to them to run. Um, and then I'm moving on into the the next stage of my life.
I'll probably still keep like, you know, going there to work out and stuff. I like having that. Um, but it's, uh, I, I, I feel very fortunate because it's, uh, it's been, it's been a, a wonderful time for me. Um, that's really been a big part of my life and I don't want to go any bigger with it. It's, it's perfect now the way it is. I mean, we can go bigger in volume of, mm -hmm. of the business there, but it's going to stay there. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's, that's cool that you recognize, you know, you don't want to water it down. You've built something great. So why, you know, risk turning it into something that you never wanted it to be. So I think that's really I mean, cool. You, have you seen that? You've probably seen that where people have expanded too big and then it ends up not working. Yeah. I, I mean, I've definitely seen it. I think a lot of times people think I have this great thing. If I make another one of it, I'll just double it. But really it, it might divide it instead of doubling it or yes. you know, make it worse or the systems weren't in place the first one and it adding a second one just highlighted it and now like those problems yes. are twice as big so yeah i think there's usually always something that can be improved at the current location and i think that's where you know focus should go first um before biting off more than you can chew i guess you could say. absolutely you're absolutely right and i'll tell you from experience because i did that um I opened a second location on the other side of town and all it did was just split up the business. So it was, if you're a good trained studio, people are going to come to you that are in the vicinity, like that 15 or 20 minutes is not going to make a difference for them. Um, and all it did was just split up the business that people that lived on that side of town were over there. And it became these two things I had to manage. And then you have another lease payment. So I had that for like three years and then I, and then I, I recognized what was happening. So I shut that one down, which, you know, sometimes people view that as like a, a failure, but I, I didn't view it that way. Um, all that business came right back over to us. I had less uh, overhead and everything I could manage everything the way I wanted it to be run rather than having these two locations that were getting watered down and not really creating any great benefit. Yeah, I think that's really smart. I think the failure would be having an ego to where you refuse to shut down the second one and it ends up taking the entire thing down. So I think Absolutely. that would be the failure. Absolutely. Not, not, the failure is not accepting like, hey, this isn't working. Let's go back to what we do best. That's a huge success, you know? So. Yes. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, well, I would like to hear from you what your biggest piece of advice would be to someone who wants to own their own gym. A lot of our listeners, um, they're prospective gym owners, and uh, you have what a lot of people are aspiring to do. What would your biggest piece of advice to them be? Well, um, first of all, I would say, like, um, you need to be passionate about it. You need to be passionate about health and fitness. Um, if you have that passion, then from there, you want to, I wouldn't go, like, first, I would go in and you want to find a good location. Um, let me rewind that. Go work somewhere else first. If you've already worked somewhere else and you have the experience and how the, how the gyms are run, then you can go start your own place. Um, and you got to be ready to be there 24 seven. Like that is, that is going to be, especially in the beginning, in the very beginning. I mean, I remember I was training people in another location because mine wasn't ready yet. Then I would go there at night. I was putting down floors, painting walls, um, saving money in any way that I could before I opened. Um, but it is a, it's a, it's not something where you're just going to waltz in and, and 
not put your full energy into it. You know, you have to be prepared to do that. And I'm not trying to make it scary for anyone because it's a great thing, but you need to be passionate about it if you're going to be successful. Because honestly, I, anyone who's not passionate about it, they're not, I haven't seen those people be successful. I've seen a lot of gyms come and go during the time, the 15 years now I've been doing it. And it's the people that are, are passionate and dedicated to it. Like you need to live the lifestyle. You need to be in there doing what you're teaching people to do. Um, then once you get your spot, the number one thing that I have found to attract people to the gym is your Google reviews. I've tried mail outs. I've done TV advertising. Um, nothing is, is, is as effective as your Google reviews. I don't know if that's for everywhere else, but I know in Florida, that's what leads people to you. So getting people to give you reviews once your place opens, um, it's not always easy. I don't know if you've ever dealt with that at your place, but like people are like, oh yeah, I'll do that, I'll do that. And you kind of have to tell them like three times, um, but it's worth it. You have to stay on them um, and do something, do something that makes you stand out. You know, um, whatever it is, whatever idea you have, it's good to uh, separate yourself from the pack by doing something different. Like for me, outside of the films, I teach a uh, whole food plant-based diet, which goes against a lot of uh, normal um, nutrition and gym mentality. Um, and that's, that is truly the reason why I've had such great results because it makes such a difference. And I, I hardly ever find anyone else that is doing that. But that has really um, set, set me outside from all the rest of the pack. So that was one of the main things that I did differently um, that really paid off. Um, yeah, those are, those are, that's it. That, that's the story. As far as what my experience has been, um, would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah, everything you said, I totally agree with. Um, and I yeah. think going back to asking for reviews, I think don't be afraid to ask. I, that's something I, I struggle with like people want to support you they want to help you and it's free they're going to be happy to do it you might have to remind them seven times but <laughs> they're happy that's to do exactly it. right if they want to do it just remind them remind yeah. them that's the key stay on them you got to be a little bit annoying which is not my favorite thing to do but that it works because <laughs> by the third time they're like oh man i really got to do this i told them i was going to do this for you yeah just like anything else in the business starting it itself like you got to get out of your comfort zone and that's asking someone for a review, then just got to do it. <laughs> yes, got to do it. Oh, one other thing I was I was going to add to that. Um, the uh, we added in uh, stretching sessions, and I noticed the stretch zone really taking off. Um, with which that was another thing. Like I was like, people are paying this kind of money just to stretch, and <clears throat> I went there to check it out, and I was like, wow, this is this is uh, working. <laughs> So I went, I put that in our gym too. And then you have a whole nother revenue stream there coming in for people that probably wouldn't have been coming in. Cause there's a certain group of people that do that. And usually they don't like to work out particularly hard. You might not get them for personal training, but now we have this whole group of people that do stretching. And so you're adding another revenue stream for yourself. Totally. Yeah. That's really good advice. Especially, you know, if you're struggling to get new members in, think of how can I get my current members to add a service to pay a little bit more. They yes. Get, they get more results. You get well you know. said. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Or, that's or get your current members to add sessions. Yep. That's something. I mean, 
And some people feel, you know, weird about that. But look, the way I see it is everyone's better off working out more. So if they want to get their results faster and they want to be healthier five days a week, six days a week, it works better. And like in my films, six days a week, that's what we're doing. That's how you get those kind of results. I mean, obviously it's going to be managed by the trainer. So they're not going to be overtraining, but that's a great way. Another reason why I measure in sessions, right? Um, that's a great way to get your revenues up with your existing clientele. And, you know, when you tell them, you have to really truly believe it, that this is going to be better for them. And if you truly believe that, which you should, um, they're going to believe it too. They're yeah. coming to you for help in the health and fitness area, right? So if you believe that, a lot of them are going to do it. Maybe not all of them, but you could increase your revenue, you know, 30% if all, all the trainers are doing that and believe that with yeah. what you have already. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, that's really good advice. I think everything you said is spot on. Um, and so thank you for sharing that with us. That's really great um, for me and the listeners. Um, but before we sign out here, tell us where can we find you? Um, what's the gym's website? What's your social media? Where can we follow along? Um, the, the gym's website is uh, Zen Fitness. If you just Google Zen Fitness in Gainesville, Florida, the actual address is thezenfitness.com. Awesome. And then the, the movie website is um, Unsupersize Me. If you just Google Unsupersize Me, that's the first thing that comes up. I believe that's unsupersizeme.com. Um, and the movies are on uh, Amazon, or you can go to the, the website to see them. Perfect. And what was the other thing you asked? Um, social media. You have a Facebook. Social media, yes. So we have a Zen Fitness social media and Unsupersize Me social media as well. Um, it's on Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. Thank you again for being on the show today. Everyone check out Zen Fitness. Um, if you're in Gainesville, Florida, if not, check out Unsupersize Me um, and give the film a watch. Thanks again. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, to all of our listeners out there, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model, click the link in the description and we'll be in touch soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lloyd's out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us on the show today, our guest is Salo Escalante of Smart Muscle. Salo, what's going on, man? How are you today? 
I'm well. Didn't get enough sleep yesterday, but I'm good. Didn't get enough sleep. Not uncommon for people in the fitness industry, at least. Salo, obviously our, our conversation today is going to be geared around Smart Muscle and, and the gym and the studio. For some context for people listening, give us some background on this. When you describe what Smart Muscle is, what do you tell people? Um, so I don't do memberships. I only do personal training, so I don't I don't really sell memberships. So what I sell is results. I sell you know healthier lifestyles, um, and I teach uh, mostly how to change so that you you're healthier. Um, Got it. Pretty much it. Yeah. Now, here's the kicker. Take us back a little bit. Take me to. Not not the day that the doors opened for Smart Muscle. Take us back in time to the day that the idea popped into your head. I'm going to open up my own gym in my own studio. What was going on for you, and, and how did we get here? Well, I actually wasn't really planning on that. I was actually trying to become a MD, a doctor. Mm. So when I when I, I went to college, I was actually 16. In college, I couldn't really do much. Um, people would invite me to parties. I couldn't even watch a rated R movie. Um, so a lot of my my time, well, I also didn't have the age to join a membership uh, a, a gym. So uh, yeah. they thought I was eighteen. So I would actually use a gym there in college, and I, I actually took weightlifting classes. I took nutrition classes for fun. My major was actually microbiology. My minor is chemistry. I was going to go for a pre-med. So the drive to college was kind of far. It was about 45 minutes out. So sometimes I would have time periods uh, between classes where it was way too large for me to go back. It'd be too much gas. So I actually started going to the gym. And my next classes, you know, after going to the gym, I show up all stinky. But, I mean, I didn't care. So that's when I my... my my uh, curiosity towards lifting kind of like opened up. Uh, unfortunately, when I graduated, um, I um, took the MCAT, didn't do so well. Uh, they, told, they told me to get three more points. They gave me into medical school. Uh, I never did it. I actually got a job as a teacher. I was 20 years old. My students were 18 years old. And um, um, I continued to go to the gym, but when I turned 21, I turned into an alcoholic. Mm. Uh, yeah. I kind of fell through. So my parents got a divorce later and my mom was going to be left without a house. So I took my mother and my sisters in and that kind of helped me look into myself and say what kind of man I wanted to be. So I stopped drinking and yeah. I have a fridge full of alcohol. So I threw one last party. I gave all the alcohol away. And after that, I turned into bodybuilding, actually. I did my first competition at 27. Um, you, now you'd see my fridge full of eggs and chicken. A um, little bit of a change, right? A, a big change. Um, yeah. And then, you know, my mom and sisters weren't impressed, but I didn't want to be the person that says, uh, don't, don't do this, and I'm the one doing it, you know? So I wanted to be a role model. Yeah. Um, so at some point in time, the, yeah, the well, idea I could, to I, open up a studio came up? Well, as a teacher, I didn't make a lot of money. <laughs> so 
So I started, t- uh, I started training people on the side because they would see me and they're like, oh, well, you know, it looks like you know what you're doing. Um, I'm still learning, you know, but I started taking people under my wing. And that's when the idea opened up of, you know, what if I did this for a living? What if I quit? And just one day I got fed up. I quit. I quit my job as a teacher. I didn't even finish the year. I was I was just apathetic. I was done with teaching. And uh, no, let's not say teaching, you know, in the classroom setting with teenagers where you tell them to bring a rock and they get 100 and can't even do that. So that's kind of hard. So I stopped. So I want, I'm still teaching, but in an environment where people actually want to be here. Yeah. And if a little they don't bit different here, style. Right? If they don't want to be here, you know, there's a door. And I tell a lot of people, like, I'm not for everybody. Unfortunately, you know, students don't get to pick their teachers a lot of the times. Hmm. And I understand that, you know. But uh, uh, I'm here to help everybody, you know. So uh, that's how I started. Yeah. But, I mean, now, it was... It was from like one day to the other where I kind of quit and uh, I did my last bodybuilding show that summer. And ever since then, I've been consumed here at the gym. Um, I only do, I tried to do memberships, but the members would just get in the way of me training clients. I got so many clients that I couldn't have that. I have, you know, one machine of everything and I I couldn't logistically fit everybody here, like open gym members. So I tried to schedule everybody in here. And so and mostly everything is is personal training, right? It is. I have one or three members that I left, and I kind of respect it that they had their memberships uh, because they understand the dynamic here because they've also trained with me. So that since they're respectful and I know they're going to abide by, you know, whatever I'm doing, I kept their memberships. But, I mean, it's nothing that's going to really affect me. Yeah. Okay. Now – looking back on that time it's been five or so years that you've been doing this now what's been what's been the best part and what's been the hardest part about running your own business i mean the best part is that i can run it however i want i don't have to do a certain curriculum that doesn't really fit for everybody if i see that something's not working i can change it uh, unfortunately you know in the domain of what public school school is is you know texas curriculum follow that and you know if you don't do it shame on you you're doing things wrong the kids are not going to learn uh so here i can make my own curriculum i'm still doing lesson plans per se because i plan all my my trainings so if i'm going to you know train somebody with legs i know what particular order i'm going to do things so you know two or three people might get to do it but they get to do it with their own body weight uh, um and you know certain modifications for them but I'm still following lesson plans. So that's been the upside. The The downside is that I live here. <laughs> I get yeah. here at 5 p.m. And usually I leave like at 10 p.m. That's a long day. Yeah. So, I mean, I do close um, to train myself. Mm-hmm. I take a little three-hour break. But I'm, it's not like I'm not doing anything. So I'm I'm still working out, you know. I'm still expediting energy myself. So it's not like I can say, uh, you know, I'm actually taking a break. I'm taking a break from everybody, but not really from work because yeah. I'm still on myself. Uh, I think that's that's somewhat errands. common in the the personal training space is that it's it's time consuming, right? There, you can as good as you are, people want to train with you, and things start to build up from a scheduling perspective. 
people got to come in at some point and and at a certain point we're just working a ton of hours you know and i've had to learn to say no because sometimes you want to train during the, the, the time that i'm training but i gotta take care of myself so it's been hard because i wouldn't say no to anybody and i wouldn't i wouldn't train i would end up not training myself so i i've had to like cut down and i'm losing money when i close because i could you know be training somebody or, or making some money but i stopped doing that and i think i'm a little bit better mentally because I can actually focus on myself and not just saying yes to everybody. Because at the end of the day, that runs me down because I get to hear everybody's problems. If a client, you know, loses their job, it affects me. If a client's daughter gets raped and they don't longer come, that affects me. So, you know, I try to help them on. Since I network with a lot of people and I was a teacher for a long time, a lot of my students, you know, became owners or or nurses and they're able to get other people jobs so i kind of help people just because i know a lot of people and yeah. it helps me because it keeps my clients coming and they know that i care about them personally that was going to be part of my next question is how have you found clients over the years have you has this been entirely referral word of mouth have we done well, any kind of marketing teacher, talk to us about that yeah, I was a teacher for 12 years. So every year I've had about 120 students. So I multiply that over the years. And then at the, the students that weren't my students, but knew of me and at their family members. So that just in itself helped me a lot. Um, but it's mostly by referral. It's mostly because I post online and, you know, I see the, they, they see the before and afters. Or just like they see people and they're like, oh, wow, you changed a lot. And they bring me more clients. So I've never really struggled with that. Um, if I start if I start to lose clients and I start to promote a little bit more and I get them up, I, unfortunately, I can't take too many, you know, because it's just me at some point. So I don't I don't try to get over, overwhelmed. So I don't push myself too much to do that because then I can't train everybody. And then my customer service is going to lack. So I'd rather keep it you know where i can have 10 uh or five people in here and everybody's like in their station or you know doing their own workout so yeah. it's not really a class there because everybody goes to crossfit and everybody does the workout of the day but it's not necessarily the workout of the day. It's, it's like workout for the day for them but not for everybody it's it still individualized work. there's just more than one of them at a time right yes sir. okay how do people sign up for this when you have somebody interested and they haven't quite worked with you yet? What's the typical quote unquote sales process look like? Is there a trial? Is there a conversation before all this? Are we just jumping right I, into a workout? I usually just charge cash actually. <laughs> so uh, I train them three sessions and they they pay that and if they like it they keep coming i really don't like to hold anybody on contract because if they want to come it's going to be because they like it or because uh they see the results so i really don't like to force anybody to come uh because you know financially right now everybody's not doing so great so i don't have to like put that burden and i think that kind of like alleviates things on them because they can say you know, he doesn't really want my money per se. I've seen other trainers that, you know, get people on a three month contract 
and still don't, you know, getting off a hundred percent from their clients, even if, you know, they don't show up, they don't care. Like my clients, even though they don't pay me, uh, I'm still asking where they are. I'm still telling them, send me your food while you're not here. You know, I know it's, you know, they tell me I can't go for the next two weeks. And I still tell them, well, you know, send me, send me your food for the next two weeks at least. And I don't charge them for that. And I think that's what also has kept them from leaving me entirely or saying, you know, he does care. I'll go back. I felt better. I looked better. I was doing better when I was going with yeah. a smart muscle or I was with Saulo or, you know, under my care. Yeah. Now I've reversed a lot of people's, you know, diabetes, uh, type two, of course, type one is genetic. I can't, I'm not a magician, but uh, I, I try, you know, hypertension, uh, pills, you'd be surprised. I mean, I wanted to go to the medical industry and <laughs> it's horrible because they just give everybody pills instead of saying, Hey, go do some squats. Hey, go do some cardio, go do some cardio every week. And, you know, come back after that and see how your blood pressure goes down. No, it's like, here, have this pills and that'll fix it. And it doesn't yeah. fix it. It just it's puts, unfortunate. It puts a it bandy on a hemorrhage that it's not really going to really solve anything. Yeah. So I try to prevent that. I try to reverse things. Uh, cultural is really bad here because you have a little bit of Mexican food because of the border. And... Mm. That's not very healthy. Um, and the culture and in, in with Mexicans is like, why are you eating like that? And you look too skinny and you look awful and just have one more because, you know, your grandma lived this long. You're going to live this long too. And not, not really, you know? So grandma grew up working her ass off. You know, was, my grandma walked blocks to get to work. So she's still alive, I think, because of that. Like she did a lot of exercise, um, not directly, but she was very active. And I think now, you know, everything's done through the phone, and a lot of people are not really moving or doing as much, you know, as they're supposed to. Yeah. So I try to teach about all that. I was like, yeah, you're eating, you know, three meals, but you're sitting down the whole day. Like you need to be more active. COVID happened. I don't know how I survived it, you know, because my whole my whole business is personal training. They have to be here. So I had to do online training. I had to rent out some of my equipment and I had to do what I had to do. But uh, after COVID, a lot of people just want to do things at home. They want to do everything from home. And it's, I think that's horrible. I mean, yeah, yeah you can love your house and everything, but sunlight, that's really good for you. Um, being out, being active. And unfortunately, people don't have the equipment, you know, to to create the the resilience that the body actually needs to be put to to actually evolve. And you know, drink me from home, drink me from home. I was like, well, what do you have? Oh, two five pound dumbbells. I'm like, well, doesn't quite like, work out that way. I'm yeah. not gonna do much with that, you know, just come to the gym. Now, oh. with all of this considered, Salo, you I mean personal training is the game where we're doing well, either maintaining or getting new clients. What's the future of, of smart muscle? Where do you see, where do you think big picture of this whole business goes? I'm going to clone myself. <laughs> no, uh, I actually want to get partners where I can teach them and well them from a young age and try to like 
divide myself and then perhaps uh, I can actually have a life <laughs> and uh, I can moderate um, myself and have more clients. Um, yeah. I do want to get a bigger place. I finally paid off my equipment this year. Uh, that took five years. So now I have money to either get a bigger place or buy more equipment, put it in storage, and then wait to get enough equipment to open up something bigger. Because if I go something bigger right now, I'm not gonna have enough equipment to cover the the. I wanna I wanna do something like seven thousand square feet, so I can probably quadruple or triple the equipment that I have right now. But I'm not there yet. So it's either I'm gonna get more equipment, put it in search, uh, or just get a place and fill it out little by little. So I'm in yeah. I'm a crossroad. I have no idea, Joe. What I'm uh, gonna do. To be so, determined, at least. Exactly. So I'm scared. What right do you now, think? Because if I made a, the wrong decision, it's, it's not gonna end well, you know. Like I mean, yeah. I still have equipment. I can, you know, try to take it somewhere and train people or sell it and make a profit out of that, but. I don't want to do that, you know. I want to go bigger, um, but I'm scared. Yeah. yeah. Now, with all of this being said, and and the idea of either stay in the same place that we're in or move to a bigger location, what do you think would be the biggest challenge for you from going to where you are to a bigger location? What do you think could could come up from a business standpoint that might be more difficult? My my my. Um... Biggest issue would probably be trusting somebody to help me. I don't like getting help. <laughs> it's really hard for me to trust people because um, the way that I've gotten where I'm at is by not trusting people. So I think I need to change that. You know, it's also going to take risks, but I, I am going to need help for sure. If it's with a training or running the gym. And I think that's the biggest challenge that I'm going to have. Because I mean, I mean, people like being tortured by me apparently because they keep coming so i don't think that'll be the problem um but it's just it's hard to trust people like for example i i was i was uh with this person and they were helping me and during covid they're like oh i don't want to help you anymore i want to open my own gym and they wanted to keep my equipment to open it <laughs> and that's crazy because i barely have the equipment that i have here it's enough, you know? I don't have more equipment because I can't fit it anywhere. <laughs> but, um, he took some of my clients. Um, you know, you can say they were the James clients, but they didn't, they didn't actually come here for, for that person initially, you know? So, I mean, I'm not upset, but... I'm, you know, guarded as far as... It's a lesson to be learned, healthy. right? Yeah, so now I learned that, you know, if I'm going to have somebody formally here, I need to have a non-compete so where they can take clients from the gym for at least a year. Yeah. Uh, that was a tough lesson. It's it's a tough lesson, and, and I'm you sure... Want you want to trust people, and you want to say, like, they're helping, you know, but no. I'm can't. sure, unfortunately, I'm sure that there will be more lessons in, in the future of business ownership. Yeah. There's I'd always like a... say, I'd like to say I can't wait for them, but I'd rather not, you know, so <laughs> I, I just keep to myself and then I take the burden of everything. I'm yeah. a janitor, I'm a salesman, 
I'm a trainer. Uh, I maintain the equipment. I do basically everything. Yeah. No. But it's also helped me save money, but it's affected my personal life, which is non-existent. <laughs> yeah. I'm 30. I don't have kids. Yeah. That's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. A never-ending list of lessons to be learned. That's a pretty good place for us to wrap our conversation up, Salo. But in the short bit of time, why don't you tell people where they can learn more about what you do? Are you on social media? How can people find you? So they can find me on Instagram at smart underscore muscle underscore LLC or at spider head. That's um, spider H E D D Delta Delta. That's my personal one. I like to post a lot of the gym stuff there too. Uh, they could also find me on Facebook at smart muscle gym. Um, but mostly those are the ones that I run. Um, yeah, I don't have that's, a website. That's perfect. Connect um, with Salo on those platforms and follow along with what he does. This has been fun, man. I appreciate you for, for giving a look behind the scenes into, into your business and how it's been run so far and what you're thinking about when it comes to, to moving forward. So that's all the time we have, but I really appreciate you coming on and, and I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you. Absolutely. And to everyone who tuned in, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you would like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.